0: Eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, thank you for giving us an opportunity to come and fellowship with you. Thank you, Lord, for also giving us life. We know, Lord, that you want us to become more like you, and for that purpose, we pray that you will grant to us graciously. Please, withhold not your spirit from us, especially myself, Lord. I pray that you will grant to me your spirit and grant me utterance that the words spoken shall touch the hearts of the listeners, And as we hear, that we will be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we know you, that we would get to be filled with the knowledge of God to the extent that our lives will be transformed. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. February 6. Missionary. To the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke chapter four verse eighteen. The sufferings of humanity ever touched the heart and called forth the sympathy and love of Christ. He exercised pity and compassion towards those who were afflicted in soul or body. His example in the matter of treating the suffering and afflicted should teach us how to have compassion and pity for the suffering of his creatures. Christ suffered in the flesh. He knew what it was to suffer keen pangs of hunger and he has given special lessons in regard to feeding the hungry and caring for the needy poor and has declared that in ministering to the needy, we are ministering to himself in the person of his saints. He says, I was an hungered and you gave me meat Matthew 25:35. He knew the discomfort and suffering of thirst, and he declared that a cup of cold water given in his name to any of his disciples should not lose its reward. Christ was an active, constant walker. He found the domain of religion, fenced in by high, steep walls of seclusion, as too sacred a matter for everyday life. He threw down the walls of partition and exercised his helping power in behalf of everyone who needed him. He brought cheerfulness and hope to the desponding. He did not ask, what is your creed? To what church do you belong? Active, earnest, loving interest marked his life. The Lord Jesus knows what poverty means. He is the great missionary to the poor, the sick the suffering. The king of heaven, he could have led a life of wealth and have lived among the wealthiest, but he chose poverty. And he has honored the poor who believe in him, for he blessed them forever. Poverty with Christ is riches of the highest value. This poverty is sanctified and blessed. In the humanity of Christ, there are golden threads that binds the believing, trusting poor man to his own soul of infinite love. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Missionary to the Poor. The mission statement of Jesus in Luke 4 verse 18 tells us that part of his mission is to preach the gospel to the poor. And this is what we need to understand, that if we must know God and be like Him, then it's important to understand what it means to be a missionary to the poor. To know God is to know His mindset about every issue there is in life. And as we know God's mindset about different matters that we encounter, we may ask grace from Him to help us to be transformed into His image. One issue that we all find all around us is the issue of poverty. Poverty is one of the most humbling experiences that people encounter, and as people who want to know God, we have to know what his command is towards the poor. The world, through various schemes and ideas, has been trying to solve the problem of poverty by making everyone rich, but they are trying an impossibility. Over 2,000 years ago, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Moses said in Deuteronomy 15, verse 11, For the poor shall never cease out of the land. It is therefore futile to think that the lack experienced by the poor will be solved by making them actually earn more by themselves. Socialism, capitalism, communism have tried, but it has not worked out. God does not propose that the poor will all become rich or will all remain poor but God has provided a means by which the lack felt by the poor can be supplied and also he gives us directions of what our relations to the poor should be like. Before we go on, it's important to understand that when ministering to the poor, like we just read, we are ministering to Jesus. Very important to have that in mind, we'll still talk about it as we go on. So we need to define firstly who the poor is. I'll read something now from Testimonies, Volume 1, page 273, page 272 and downward. It says, God does not require our brethren to take charge of every poor family that shall embrace this message. If they should do this, the ministers must cease to enter new fields. For the funds would be exhausted. Many are poor from their own lack of diligence and economy. They know not how to use means aright. If they should be helped, it would hurt them. Some will always be poor. If they should have the very best advantages, their cases would not be helped. They have not good calculation and would use all the means they could obtain were it much or little. Some know nothing of denying self and economizing to keep out of debt and to get a little ahead for a time of need. If the church should help such individuals, instead of leaving them to rely upon their own resources, it would injure them in the end. For they look to the church and expect to receive help from them, and do not practice self-denial and economy when they are well provided for. And if they do not receive help every time, Satan tempts them and they become jealous and very conscientious for their brethren, fearing they will fail to do all their duty to them. The mistake is on their own part. They are deceived. They are not the Lord's poor. So I'll stop here and continue the reading very soon. I just want this one to sink in. We need to define who the Lord's poor are, and there are some people who are poor, but they're not the Lord's poor doesn't mean they are not poor, they are poor, but it's because of the lack of economy. They have hands, two hands, two legs, but the lack of economy in the way they plan themselves, that is what makes them poor. So who are the Lord's poor? Let's continue the reading, it says, The instructions given in the word of God in regard to helping the poor do not touch such cases, but are for the unfortunate and afflicted. God in his providence has afflicted individuals to test and prove others widows and invalids are in the church to prove a blessing to the church. They are a part of the means which God has chosen to develop the true character of Christ's professed followers and to call into exercise the precious traits of character manifested by a compassionate Redeemer. End of quote. So we have two classes of poor people, those who by their unwise management are poor and those who because of misfortune are poor. And what is misfortune? Sickness fatherlessness being an orphan being a widow or i'll read very soon another thing that has to do with this being cast out but this is what the lord's poor are and what do we do for the poor who are mismanaging their goods education that's how you help them they should be educated and shown how to budget how to plan and how to set themselves up. That's how we help such people who will say another not the Lord's poor, those who are unwise managers. But for the Lord's poor, how do we help them? You see, it's a righteous thing to do. The Bible says in James 1 verse 27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The Bible enjoins us to practice the golden rule, what we call the golden rule, In Matthew 7, verse 12, we are told, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Reading Ministry of Healing, page 105, paragraph 1, we are told, By all that God has given us advantage over another, be it education and refinement, nobility of character, Christian training, religious experience, we are in depth to those less favored and so far as lies in our power we are to minister unto them if we are strong we are to stay up the hands of the weak end of quotes so let's have these things these things i just read in mind do unto others as you have them do unto you remember that you are in debt to others who do not have as much as yourself and then you must know that pure religion involves good works visiting the fatherless and the widows in their affliction that is part of pure religion so who are the lord's poor Ministry of Healing, page 201, paragraph 1 says, When all has been done that can be done in helping the poor to help themselves, there still remains the widow and the fatherless, the aged, the helpless, and the sick that claim sympathy and care. Never should these be neglected. They are committed by God himself to the mercy, the love, and the tender care of all whom he has made his stewards so here look at the class of people the widow the fatherless aged let's not forget the aged it's not just the widow and the fatherless the aged then there's the helpless they may have father and mother but some people are just helpless and then there's the sick going on i want to read again review and herald 1881 paragraph five it says "For years the widow the fatherless the forsaken Wife. So take that. We already have heard of the widow and the fatherless, but this addition now—the widow, the fatherless, the forsaken wife, the unfortunate, the sick, and the poor—have been moving to Battle Creek. On she's she's carrying a heavy burden that her sister church is no not enough. So I just want to define that. I just that's why I'm reading this to add the information of the unfortunate and the forsaken wife. They are part of the Lord's poor. Welfare ministry page two hundred and two, paragraph one says the worthy poor, those who are made poor by misfortune and sickness deserve your special care and help. End of quote. You can also find that in Testimonies Volume 1, page 481. So we have defined who the poor are. I'll repeat. There is with the ones who are popular poor, we know the widow, the orphans, the fatherless. We know that. Then we also know the misfortune the, the one who passed through misfortune. Then there is the sick. And there's the forsaken wife and there's the aged all these are the lord's poor and one thing they have in common is that they are helpless in one way or the other they are not favored as every other person that's why they are the lord's poor so where do we get funds from to support the poor god has given us his mind to know god we need to understand how he sees these things I'll be just read now about our lord jesus understanding the plight of the poor you see it's a very humbling situation to be in and christ was poor when he was here on earth so whenever you see somebody who is a worthy poor remember that you are seeing christ and that's why jesus said as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren you have done it unto me and that's why he said i was hungry and you fed me it is the poor he's referring to and that's why he also said that when we consider the poor we are actually considering he himself God has made provision as to how. Because you may be wondering, how much do I help the poor? Should I help them till my money is finished? God has given direction. So let's go through the word of God to know the mind of God, the excellency of the knowledge of God, and we can practice it in safety with a good conscience, not your conscience judging you that you've not done enough or your conscience saying you've done too much. We just need to know what does God say so that you can have a free conscience. So let's go on. Numbers 18 is the first passage we'll read. Verse 20 to 24. We're going to talk about the second tithe. There's something called the second tithe that it's high time we talk about this many times i'm silent about it i don't want to talk about it because it's a strange thing to many people but it's high time we talk about this thing called the second tithe there is a first tithe that many of us know even the first tithe, people debate it they don't want to give it but then there's the second tithe. let's what's the first tithe? numbers 18 verse 20 to 24 you can read it i will not read it here but you can read it for yourself it talks about the first tithe that is to be given to the Levites. I will just take a few lines in it. I will be skipping. It says, And the LORD speak to Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them i am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of israel and behold i have given the children of levi all the tents in israel for an inheritance and verse 24 says but the tithes of the children of israel which they offer as an heave offering unto the lord i have given to the levites to inherit therefore i have said unto them among the children of israel they shall have no inheritance so you see this passage refers to the tithe given to the priests and levites of which No one is permitted to appropriate as they choose. The tenth part of every income that you have, you who are listening to me, is to be given strictly to those who are doing ministerial work. Those who are preaching the gospel, those who are going house to house, uh, um, giving the word of truth, especially the present truth, and then those who are also medical missionaries. But that's not the focus of our reading. It's the poor. I just brought that out so that you see that it's the first type. Okay, Now, to talk about the second tithe in the book of Deuteronomy 14, hear, hear this very clearly. We know that the first tithe is to be given strictly to the ministers. But hear this now, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. It says, I'm reading from 22 and downward, Thou shalt truly tithe all thine increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. Thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God. In the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn. Wow! God says you should eat the tithe? Doesn't that sound strange? Yes, it does, of course, if it is the same tithe as the first tithe. But it is not. This is a second tithe. So I'll read that verse 23 again. Deuteronomy 14 verse 23. Verse 22 has already talked about the tithe. Verse 23 now tells us what kind of tithe this is. He says that the person who is bringing the tithe shall eat it before the Lord in the place where he chooses. He shall eat the tithe of the corn, of the wine, of the oil, and the firstlings of thine herbs and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. That sounds strange. I take tithe and I eat it and I'm learning to fear God. But let's keep going. Later on in verse 24 and 25, God says you can change the tithe to money. If you do not, if the distance to the sanctuary where you are supposed to give it is too far for you to the place you are supposed to give it, then in verse twenty six he says, "Thou shalt bestow that money for whatsoever thy soul lusteth, or for oxen, or for sh- for oxen or for sheep, or for wine, or for strong drink, for whatsoever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat there before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thine and thou and thy household, and the Levite." So, who are the people eating? you, your household, the Levite that is within your gates, he says, don't forsake him. And then in verse 29 he says, and also the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, which are in the within thy gates. They shall come and shall eat and be satisfied. So, this passage is telling us of another tithe. This tithe is being eaten by the person who brought it, his family, the widows, the stranger, the Levites. And the fatherless to make this clearer i'm reading from patriarchs and prophets page 530 paragraph one and two it says to promote to promote the assembling of the people for religious service as well as to provide for the poor a second type of all the increase was required i'm skipping down reading down it says the passages were quoted the passage i just read now were quoted Then, commenting on that, it says, this tithe or its equivalent in money. They were for two years to bring to the place where the sanctuary was established. After presenting a thanks offering to God and a specified portion to the priests, the offerers were to use the remainder for a religious feast in which the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow should participate. Thus, provision was made for the thanks offering, and feast at the yearly festivals and the people were drawn to the society of the priests and Levites that they might receive instruction and encouragement in the service of God. Every third year, however, this second tithe was to be used at home in entertaining the Levites and the poor, as Moses said, that they may eat within thy gates and be filled. Jeremiah 26 verse 12 This tithe would provide a fund for the uses of charity and hospitality end of quote so to break it down what is the second tithe for it is to be used to sponsor religious services the tithe itself is not to be used for evangelism it's not to be used for any other religious service like camp meetings the tithe is not to be used for that purpose that's the first tithe that's what i mean the second tithe is what you bring out and from all your income to support the religious services to give to the widow to the poor as you choose whoever you however you want to do you can choose to just use it for the widow and the poor and fatherless the poor in general the lord's poor and you can even choose to take some to give to support religious services because there's a difference between giving one money to the ministers to support themselves and then the money used to run a program to buy the petrol the pie to also get the equipments that are needed for the programs and to also sponsor the maybe transportation of materials and all of that it is from the second tithe it is not from the first tithe and then also from the second tithe you support the poor so in case you have been wondering how much is enough for me to give to the poor how often should i give the second tithe has defined a command, it is not your choice, it is what God has installed just as much as the first tithe, that you take a second tithe and make sure you are using it to support religious services and to also help the Lord's poor, which includes the sick by the way, the aged, the unfortunate wife, those are part of the people. Now, more than that, God also has other instructions apart from the second tithe. The second tithe is the one that is commanded that you must do but there is the one that comes from your heart but it's still what the Lord commands that we have to leave some of our funds aside for the poor which is not just the second time. Leviticus 19 verse 9 and 10 says and when you reap the harvest of your land thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest thou shalt not glean thy vineyard neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger i am the lord your god we can also find this in leviticus 23 verse 22 so what is god really saying here god is telling us that we should have some things we remain don't just take everything that you have as belonging to yourself in this principle here for those who are farmers it was direct don't glean everything don't take everything away from your farm leave something so that when the poor comes they can eat from it for by principle what does that mean it means that when anyone makes money remember the poor don't think that everything every single dime should be used for yourself remember that you should leave something this is not just your second time now even after you have done the second tithe, which is commanded, that like you should be used for religious services, to widow, the fatherless, the Levite, and all of that, the poor in general, there is still a provision for you to go beyond the second tithe and leave, leave some of your own personal funds for helping the poor. Reading from Welfare Ministry, page 275, paragraph 2, it says that the poor is to be aided from special contributions, not a regular church income. In the sixth chapter of Acts, we are shown how, when men were to be selected to fill positions in the church, the matter was brought before the Lord, and most earnest prayer was offered for guidance. The widows and fatherless were to be supported by contributions from the church. Their wants were not to be relieved by the church, but by special donations. The second tithe is not a special donation. This is this a different one now. Special donations. The tithe, which is first tithe, was to be consecrated to the Lord and was always to be used for the support of the ministry. Men must be chosen to oversee the work of caring for the poor, to look after the proper distribution of the means in hand that none among the believers should suffer for the necessities of life. So why did God give this command? Because this is His way way of alleviating poverty. It's not that the poor will become rich. But if we follow these directions, that your second tithe, and you have free will um, donations given to the poor, the poor will never lack. Patriarchs and Prophets page 530 paragraph 3 says, There is nothing, after their recognition of the claims of God, that more distinguishes the laws given by Moses than the liberal, tender and hospitable spirit enjoined towards the poor. Although God had promised greatly to bless his people, it was not his design, that poverty should be wholly unknown among them. He declared that the poor should never cease out of the land. There would ever be those among his people who would call into exercise their sympathy and tenderness and benevolence. Then, as now, persons were subject to misfortune, sickness, and loss of property. Yet, so long as they followed the instruction given by God, there were no beggars among the people. Neither any who suffered for food. End of quote. What is God trying to do? He's trying to help us to cure selfishness in our hearts and covetousness. That is why He gives these instructions for your second tithe, for your first tithe, for free will donations to help the poor. He wants us to be sympathetic. If there was no sinner, there would be no need for mercy and forgiveness. The character of mercy and forgiveness comes because of sin. Also, if there was no poor, if there was no sick, If there was no person with misfortune, and by the way, let me define what that misfortune means. People lose their property by means wholly beyond their control. Fire could come and destroy someone's business, another person could, his home can be burnt down any unfortunate event can happen some can get sick and their business closes down they spend all their money they don't have any money again it's not because of unwise management many unfortunate events can happen to to the people who have been very very hardworking. others could get accident and they cannot walk the way they used to others are born invalids they are born incapable of doing as much as others can do these are the lord's poor especially when they are believers god is calling out because if there was no, if these situations did not exist, there will be no need for sympathy. There will be no need for mercy and compassion and tenderness. Just as if there was, no, as if if there was no sin, there will be no need for forgiveness. So also, if there was no poor, there will be no need for benevolence, for tenderness and sympathy. So God allows the poor to remain in the land, that people who are not poor can learn the character of God in mercy, tenderness, sympathy and benevolence so it is not just for you to keep money aside for the poor but even in your mind when you are going to work have the poor in mind ephesians 4 verse 28 says let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that needed so what is your motive for working it's not about the stealing part now even if you're not a thief why are you working let there be the motive in the heart That you are trying to help the poor, I'm working because I want to have enough to give those who I need. That is a worthy motive for working. How about when you want to lend to the poor? We have talked about how you can get money because you might be wondering how much is enough. Ten percent of your after your first tithe, ten percent second tithe can be used not just for the poor alone, but to also support the services of God. Then after that, there should be free will donations. Now, beyond free will donations, we still have the part of lending it's not just that you must give you can also lend and expect them to give back to you but how do you lend to the poor as exodus 22 verse 25 to 27 tells us if thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee thou shalt not be to him an as an usurer neither shalt thou lay upon him usury if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down for that is his covering only it is his raiment for his skin wherein shall he sleep and it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that i will hear for i am gracious amen so in lending to the poor god says don't do it with interest you can lend to some other people who have money with interest but not to the poor this shows us that god wants us to make a difference for the poor and we'll talk about that later so when lending to the poor there should be no usury and even if you collect a pledge from the poor saying okay you give me this particular thing when you are able to pay me back i'll give it back to you if that thing you collected from them is something invaluable something they need that they cannot do without then you should give it back to them don't let them in this case the example that i was given is their their clothes they need it you have to give it to them, even though they've not paid you back. Don't hold back things because they've not paid you. Testimonies, Volume 1, page 494, paragraph 3 says, Those to whom God has entrusted means should provide a fund, especially for, I'm just reading this with respect to the sick, those the poor who are sick. How do we take care of them? Those to whom God has entrusted means should provide a fund to be used for the benefit of the worthy poor who are sick and not able to be def- to defray the expenses of receiving treatment at the institution. There are some precious worthy poor whose influence has been a benefit to the cause of God. A fund should be raised to be used for the express purpose of treating such of the poor as the church where they reside shall decide are worthy to be benefited. Unless those who have an abundance give for this object, without calling for returns, the poor will be unable to avail themselves of the benefits derived from the treatment of disease at such an institution, where so much means is required for labor bestowed. End of quote. So, strictly for the poor who are described as the sick, especially those who have labored in the gospel of the Lord, please, the Lord is saying, do not withhold. Remember, Look, it is Jesus you are helping when you do these things. As much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, My brethren, you have done it unto me. I was hungry and you fed me. Naked and you clothed me. That's what Jesus is saying. Who is Jesus? Jesus does not mean any wicked person along the way. But especially for those who have labored in the gospel. And not just them, but generally the poor too. Those who are faithful people, the poor. But even if it's not exactly so... Um, just generally the widows, the orphans, the sick, the the fatherless, they should be helped. The aged also, remember, but that when they are sick, that's what it's saying here, there should be special funds strictly to treat them when they are sick. So, God also tells us to not use force to cause them to pay. Deuteronomy 24, verse 10 to 13 is similar to what I read earlier. We are not to force the poor to pay and hold them and say, you must pay me, no. And even in the attitude, when giving to the poor, God he directs us in Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, that it must be done cheerfully. He says, thou shalt surely give him. And thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto Amen do you see that God is going to bless those who give to the poor that's why they should not do it and be grieved while giving they should be cheerful and how about those poor who because of their poverty have subjected themselves to become servants maids in your houses How do you treat them? Deuteronomy 24 verse 14 and 15 says, Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor. There are many who do this today and they pass as Christians. God says, Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire neither shall the sun go down upon it for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it lest he cry against thee unto the Lord and it be seen unto thee Amen many can relate with this because there are some people who are poor and needy and they are living in other people's houses as servants God is instructing don't oppress them you oppress them it is Jesus you are doing it to be careful if they cry against thee it says it will be seen unto thee And you know what that means. And I said earlier that there needs to be made a difference for the poor. In Leviticus 14 verse 21, it says, And if he is poor and cannot get so much, this was referring to sanctuary services, God said you are supposed to bring a lamb and all of that. Some poor people cannot afford it. But God even made a difference for them. He said if he is poor and cannot get so much, he shall take one lamb, for a trespass offering to be waived to make an atonement for him, and one-tenth deal of fine flour mingled with oil and for a meat offering and a log of oil. The point in this is that God made a difference. He said, "If somebody is poor, don't require from them to give exactly what I have said in the sanctuary, Even when they were giving the first bonds, they were supposed to bring lambs, and because Jesus' parents were poor, they brought turtle doves. they did not bring the lamb. They could not afford it. God made a difference for the poor, saying when they cannot afford the lamb, they can bring something smaller. And we should learn from God that we should make a difference from the poor. When you are selling goods, when you see somebody is poor, don't exact from them the same profit that you would if you were selling to a rich person. When you see somebody is poor, don't say, oh, because you are poor, does that mean they will not eat? Does that mean they will not wear clothes? What you can do for the poor is you can sell to them at a very substantial price that they can afford and don't exact everything that you should exact. God has said he will bless those who remember the poor and he has also said he will curse those who do not. In Psalms 41 verse 1 it says, Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Then in Proverbs 19, verse 17 to 22, it says, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. This is the reason why you shouldn't exact it and say you must pay me back. God has said he will pay you. So if the poor says I will not pay you, leave it. God said he will pay you. But then, in Proverbs 21 verse 13, God says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. You see that? So God wants us to remember the poor. Job was a man who always remembered the poor. And we have seen how this man was a very good man. Job said concerning himself in job twenty nine verse eleven to the, to sixteen when the ear heard me, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish that's the signal came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and clothed me, and judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind, and feet I was to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. That is oppression now. Verse, chapter 30, verse 25, Job said, Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? Chapter 31, verse 16, and downward he said, if I withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless has not eaten with me. For from my youth he was brought up with me, as with a father, and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing, or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, If I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder blade and my arm be broken from the bone. The reason I have gone through this is just to make us understand that part of righteousness, why Job was called a perfect man, includes these things. It's not just about, oh, I'm staying away from sin. It also includes what you did, not what you did not do, but also what you did. Like we read in our devotion that I may know him, page 43, paragraph 5. The Lord Jesus knows what poverty means. He is a great missionary to the poor, the sick, the suffering. The king of heaven, he could have led a life of wealth and have lived among the wealthiest, but he chose poverty. And he has honored the poor who believe in him, for he blessed them forever. Poverty with Christ is riches of the highest value. This poverty is sanctified and blessed. End of quote. Are you poor because of your faith? You are blessed the lord has blessed you and do not look down on yourself and i'd like to remind us matthew 7 verse 12 do unto others as you will have them do to you james 1 verse 27 we've talked about and then ministry of healing page 105 paragraph 1 tells us that we are in depth by all that has given us advantage over another be it education and refinement nobility of character Christian training religious experience we are in depth to those less favoured and so far as lies in our power we are to minister unto them if we are strong we are to stay up the hands of the weak may God give us grace to put these things in practice let us pray thank you dear father for showing us your mindset and helping us to know you more in this matter of being tender sympathetic and compassionate i pray Father, that you grant us more understanding of what your word says on how to take care of the poor help us not to have a hardened heart help us not to be grieved when giving to the poor but to do it cheerfully and give us the grace to follow your word in how you have said we should provide funds to help the poor and help us lord to do these things and become more like you add to us more understanding more knowledge concerning this matter and give us grace to put it in practice. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org www.tawas.org or contact info at tawas.org.